Hey everyone, welcome to Infuse Church Online. Today we're continuing our series, Be Rich, where we're going to be talking about hope and the important role hope plays in our lives. Today's message is going to be a little bit shorter because we are celebrating baptisms, which if you want to watch those stories, they'll be on available on our Infuse Church Facebook page. Thanks for tuning in. Oh man, uh, I hope that is not our winter, um, but I'll be honest with you, I'm not uh, optimistic given that we already have snow on the ground and it's not even Thanksgiving. I mean, lately, I don't know about you, but I've just been like, you know what, I'm fine if it's cold so long as it's snowy, and so far I've gotten my wish this year um, earlier than I thought. Um, so today we are in uh, part two of our current message series called um, Be Rich. Now today may feel a little faster than normal um, because I'm going to try to do an abbreviated version because we're celebrating baptisms and honestly that's going to be um, much better than anything that I could say to you. Um, yeah, but we're really excited about that, to celebrate that. Um, but we're also doing a really awesome thing in this series that's really unique, and so uh, I didn't want to pass up the opportunity to share uh, what that looks like and what we've been up to so far in this series. Um, last week, as well as this week, we looked at a little bit of scripture um, from uh, what we call a, a book of the Bible. Um, it's actually a letter, First um, Timothy. It was a letter that Paul who was a Christian killer turned Christian maker, um, sent to his protege, um, his apprentice, if you will, named Timothy. And he sent Timothy this letter. And in this letter, he is speaking to a very specific group of people. And the people he's speaking to are those who are rich. In fact, he began his letter, First um, Timothy, with this um, statement. He said, command, the, not the letter, excuse me, but the section. He began with this statement, command those who are rich in this present world. And as many of us um, were probably a little shocked to find out last week um, that if you make uh, in yearly income, if you make over $32,400, $32,400 in 2018, according to Get Rich List on the next slide, um, you are in the top 1% of income earners in the entire world. So long story short, mathematically, that makes you rich. Now, we also acknowledge the fact that many of us, despite this number, and despite the fact that we are close to, if not exceeding this number, um, we don't feel very rich. We don't feel wealthy. We don't in fact, it, this idea that you could be rich, for some of us are even a little bit, we get a little defensive, um, or you may get a little frustrated, because the last thing you consider yourself is rich, even though in the world you very well may be. And so if you are a little um, put on edge by that, or that doesn't exactly make sense to you, um, I would love, love, love for you to consider going to our website, infuse.church slash messages, or downloading our Infuse Church app and watching last week's message, um, because what we're talking about today in a very abbreviated way will make a whole lot more sense um, if you have the context of, of last week to go with it. Now, Today, for about the next 15 minutes, at least I hope it's 15 minutes, I'm going to be talking to you about an idea that we don't think about that often, though it's really relevant to our lives, and that is the idea of hope, or we'll just call it the word hope. Um, now, this word hope is, I think, as we'll talk about here, um, is a lot more um, meaningful, a lot more powerful, and a lot more applicable than perhaps we consider it. For some people, uh, for some of us, we, we consider hope um, for those who are rich. 
right? They can hope for things and achieve things that for some of us we cannot. And so hope is only reserved for a certain group of people, or maybe you're in a season of life where the last thing you're thinking about is this idea of hope, because hope is, should be filled with good things and, and good feelings, right? Essentially, hope, we hope for something better than we have it in, in existence. Uh, a great example is that, that opening clip. It's funny, but I hope that never happens to you, okay? Unless you do that intentionally just because you're trying to be a really nice person, at which point you need to buy an ice scraper because that will be a lot more effective, okay? Right? But I would not hope that upon you because hope, at least for today, um, hope is, we're going to define it as an expectation of a good outcome. We have set an expectation that whatever comes out of the situation, the relationship, the, whatever it is, um, that it would be, and at least in our eyes, a good outcome. Now, I realize, don't get me wrong, I realize you can hope for bad things, okay? And of course, you never hope for bad things for yourself. You always hope it on someone else, right? I mean, can we just have a moment of honesty here? I mean, I know you are all just fantastic people, but I will speak for myself in that there have been moments that I have hoped that someone get, would get pulled over after they cut me off. Or they blow by you, and you're like, mm, you're going 15 over. And then there's a cop that goes by you too, and then he doesn't seem to realize or she doesn't see the guy who's blatantly speeding, and you're like, where is justice? And you kind of hope that they'd get pulled over, right? You hope the worst on someone, you hope that they, get this, get what's coming to them. Ever done that? And then you hope that you're there when that moment happens so you can watch it, right? Some of you laugh, and that's frightening, okay? <laughs> right? But you hope that. Now, but for today, I need you to let that go because I don't want you to think about that as hope. Let's just think of that as it is, is just mean, okay? Today, hope is an expectation of, of a good outcome. And if that is our definition, we do this all the time. We have expectations for good outcomes almost every day of our lives. You hope your husband actually picks up the kids on time, right? You hope your wife well, you know she'll pick them up on time, right? Because she's just responsible. But you always go through your days um, with varying degrees of hope and expectations of good outcomes. And then we have big hopes, right? For some of us, we hope um, that uh, things um, for our kids, as we raise them, that they're going to turn out all right. Or at the very least, better versions than ourselves. We have big hopes like in our careers for some of us that, that we would hope our career path would look a little bit more like this versus what we see in others or have experience in our path where it's just kind of up and down and up and down. And we're not really sure that we're actually moving in a forward direction. For some of us, in a broad sense, we, we hope that our lives are meaningful, that we get to the end of our lives and we're able to look back and say, you know what, that we don't have to justify anything, that we can just be really honest with ourselves. And we can look at the relationships in our lives and our families, and, and we can say, you know what, didn't always get it right. But that hope for good family, a good life well-lived, will actually come to pass for me. It's a big, big, big hope. We hope for good health. We hope our health improves. Hope is something that we have all the time. 
And here's the thing, and this is why I think we, we kind of disregard hope, but I don't think we should, is because um, we never usually sit idly by in our hopes. We don't just watch our hope and hope that it happens. We participate in our hope, right? I mean, rarely has a parent ever sat next to their newborn child looking at that child and said, well, I hope they turn out okay, and then they don't do anything about helping them turn out okay. That's just not, we don't think in those terms. You, you don't sign your college acceptance letter and just hope someone's going to do your homework for you, right? You know, you go into it with the expectation that you are going to be part of the hope and part of making that hope come a reality. You don't purchase a new house and hope someone's going to pay your mortgage. It wouldn't work out very long, right? You have to pay. You have to participate in the hopes of buying that or building that new home. Right? We have to put skin in the game when it comes to our hopes. And that is where I think we discount the value of hope. Because we just think it's something we put out there and that we just, by chance, expect it to happen. When in reality, we generally do not have expectations of good outcomes and just, you know, leave it up to fate, if you will, that it's going to happen. We work for what we hope for. We work for what we hope for. That's why we shouldn't discount hope. Because when we hope for something, things change up here. Things change in what we do and how we behave. Things change in general in our life. And we know that we have to participate if the hope is, for the most part, going to become a reality. And so that's why I think when Paul talks to the rich people, and I know for some of you you're still struggling with thinking about yourself as rich, but at least consider it for today or for the next 10 minutes, that um, for, for us in this room, when Paul talks to us about our incredible wealth, he addresses hope. He talks about hope, and I think he does it for a very important reason. So picking up in, in the verse that we left off with, um, he, he begins, he says, command those who are rich in this present world to do what? To not be arrogant. Step one. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I'm guessing you've met an arrogant rich person. At least you've seen them on the TV. Is that fair? Okay. So you know what this looks like. And Paul says it is really easy to be wealthy and to be arrogant. In fact, if you have ever traveled abroad to a third world country, um, people are generally a lot nicer to you than they could be <laughs> because we just act a lot better than everybody else because we are, in fact, so blessed. And we don't even see the disparity between those people's lives and our own in our wealth. And Paul says, don't fall victim to that. But then he says something that if you get it, you won't have to worry about arrogance. He says, nor to put their hope in wealth. Don't put your hope in Wealth. And wealth, um, th this word here, um, platos, uh, for wealth, it's in Greek. If you didn't know, the New Testament is written in ancient Greek and has been translated in English. So that's why there's different versions of the Bible, because it's just different translations. Um, but this, wor uh, this word in Greek is a very generic term. It doesn't just mean money. It can mean anything of significant or some amount of value. So stuff, your stuff, your things, your items, what you own could be considered your wealth. Think more in terms of net worth than just financial worth. He says, don't put your hope, don't put your expectations of a good outcome in money, 
or stuff because, because it's so uncertain. It's so un- uncertain. Now remember what I said, you work for what you hope for. And would you ever go into work if you knew nothing was going to come from it, especially a paycheck? Now, some of you love your jobs, and maybe you would. But I'm guessing for at least a handful of you, you wouldn't go and work that if there was no guarantee of any positive outcome. And Paul says, the thing you got to realize about wealth is there's a lot more uncertainty in it than you might realize. Uh, a good kind of analogy slash example of this um, is one time uh, when Stephanie and I were living out in Seattle, um, we would fly back quite often. And uh, one time, uh, we were, I was flying back for some reason, I don't know why, uh, alone. Stephanie was already here in Iowa, maybe it was for a holiday or something. And uh, so I was in charge, I booked my own flight, um, and I found, and we got really good. Like when you're booking as many flights as we were, you get really good at figuring out um, how, to, how to get the best deals and so, and what to look for. So I was really fortunate. Um, as I was looking, I found a really great price on American Airlines, and then I just um, switched to always check uh, if first class was available and how much it was, because sometimes, uh, I kid you not, sometimes it will be within 50 to $100 of economy, okay? And today was my lucky day, and I got, for $50 over economy, I got first-class tickets from Seattle, or first-class ticket from Seattle to Chicago. So it was even a long flight. So I was going to enjoy first-class for a long time. I mean, how much better does that get? So I was so stoked. This was going to be the first time I was ever in first-class, um, and, and I wanted to be that guy that, you know, watched all the other people go back to economy and just kind of like, <laughs> look at where I'm sitting. Have fun, you know? I mean... Yeah, you laugh because you'd do it too, wouldn't you? Um, yes, uh, but now I follow Jesus, so I sit in economy. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'd still take up the opportunity. But, so anyways, I was so excited. I mean, I, I was, um, and then I even told Steph like the day of so she wouldn't get uh, jealous of, of my good fortune. And so I went into um, Seattle Airport, and um, of course I get the special line, so I don't have to wait in economy to check my bags, right? I get to walk in the, you know, so I just, you know, take my time, walk in there so everybody notices and I just savor this moment of walking right to the front. And I get there, I put my bag up, I check in, I'm ready for that first class ticket. And the gal says, oh, so sorry, I have some bad news. Um, Wind, get this, wind has delayed your connecting flight. And it's like, wait a second, okay. Isn't that what planes fly on in a way? You know, like, how does that even work? You know, I've had a lot of experience with flying, and I'm just not sure what that even means. But there was no getting around it. My flight was not going to make it that day because there wasn't enough time in my my connecting flights. And so I said, well, okay, can you get me there today? And my my flight was um, to Chicago, then to Cedar Rapids. And and she said, well, I can get you on two different airlines through Denver, and then you get to go to Moline, Moline, which isn't awful. But, and then then my follow-up question was, can I keep first class? And she said, oh, no, I'm sorry. You cannot. And, And then also, my bag may not make it that day at least. And I was like, okay, wow, this is just going exceptionally well. And then she said, and the only seats available are, what kind of seats? Middle seats. It's like so much for first class. And then I had to arrive an hour late. These are rich people problems, by the way, okay? If you didn't know. So that's how it worked. 
even though I had paid for it, even though my wealth, what I had worked for and handed over, guaranteed me, per se, I thought it guaranteed me, provided certainty that I was going to ride first class that day, I didn't get that. And, and I wonder, I wonder how many of us, that has been an analogy for certain parts of our lives, or many parts of our lives, or what we look at when we look at wealth, that we look as, at wealth as I get to walk the special line. If I have enough of it, I get to walk the special line up to the front, and I'm going to guarantee a smooth, enjoyable ride in my life. But Paul says, come on, you know better than that. You know better than to fall into that temptation, because there is nothing in life that is certain, especially when it comes to something we think should be, and that's wealth. We think in terms of an equation that goes very simply like this. Wealth equals certainty. Wealth equals certainty. That if we take this job that equates to more wealth, it will equate to certainty in our life. If we take that promotion, it leads to more wealth, it leads to certainty. If we have more of this in our lives, then we will be happier. We will be guaranteed some level of satisfaction and happiness in our lives. But I bet if you sat and you thought about it, there are just as many times as it's worked out that it hasn't. Or it hasn't worked out with a level of 100% guaranteed. 100% satisfaction guaranteed when it come to that, comes to that wealth that you have so worked for, so put your hope in. I've seen there in people in their entire lives, they spend it working just to make this equation work. What that looks like is they work on acquiring so much of this that they feel they're completely insulated from anything else and guaranteed this until they get within like five years of the end of their lives and they realize that this has no bearing on the actual life length that they have to live. And either they pass in denial or they accept and comes to turn with the uncertainty that is the lives that we live. Think about this, or at least introspectively think about this, or look at in your, in your lives the places where there's a little bit of bitterness. Maybe bitterness in a relationship, bitterness in your marriage, bitterness with a family member. There's a little bitterness. Do you think you, in those, there's any of those relationships that have created some bitterness for you that had to do with that and the fact that that didn't lead to that? That that didn't lead to that? I've had so many conversations that wealth has been more of a barrier than it has been a certainty. We know this. We, we try to run from it. We try to pretend that's not how it works. But that equation is not equal to. I mean, I can think, and maybe this is just ma- sometimes more of a guy thing. I'm not saying that women, you can't fall victim to this either, but I think there's something for guys that, that we like this idea, okay? I can think of a number of times. I remember when we were um, going out to Seattle. And I remember, and this was not my finest moment at all, And I essentially used this equation to convince Stephanie that this was the right thing for us to do. 
And it involved, I'm not kidding you, you may laugh at this, but I'm not kidding. It involved, oh, Stephanie, there will be wealth, which I can almost equate to the fact that one day I will be able to buy you a motorcycle and a horse and a farm to put both of those on. If we just go out to Seattle, it will be certain. And still, we do not have a horse or a motorcycle, okay? And now we're in ministry, so I really tanked that one. But it just doesn't work out that well. I mean, think about this. Let me put up a couple options here, some other equations to kind of tease this out a little bit better. Wealth. Does wealth equal freedom from illness? It doesn't. It's not how it works. Does wealth equal a great family? Would you, as a parent, if you're a parent, would you ever stand before your kids and say, hey kids, if you just have enough wealth, you will have a great family? Would you ever say that to your kids? I'm guessing most of you wouldn't. Whether you're a Jesus follower or not, whether you believe in God or not, or agree with Paul or not, you just wouldn't do that. It's not smart. It doesn't work that way. So why would we put so much hope in that? Does wealth lead to purpose in life? Significance? In life, oh, if you just have enough, enough wealth, you will have purpose and significance in your life. You've seen people who have tried. It's not how it works. Does wealth, this is a great one, wealth lead to a loving marriage or dating or whatever you got going on, a great engagement? I mean, it helps plan the wedding, I get that, but does it lead to a loving marriage? I mean, let me ask you. Does the dollar bills in your bank account care whether your marriage is loving or not? And how many marriages and their subsequent divorce completely explode because of money? As I've talked to legal attorneys who help process this divorce, I mean, that's the issue, right? How much money can I get? How much can I conjole to get the most out of the other person? Especially they use it as a tool to, to, help, uh, to force the other person into some degree of suffering and pain and discomfort, some level of reciprocity for perhaps a hurt that they have felt themselves. It doesn't work. I mean, instinctually, you just know that these do not equate. They don't work, Jesus follower or not. It's not how life goes. So, Paul suggests that we migrate our hope. We migrate our hope from wealth we migrate our, help, our hope from all the things that we think wealth will provide us. And instead, we put it not on something else, but someone else. He says, back in Timothy, he says, not to put our hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put our hope in God who richly provides. Wealth may not care about your families. And I don't know where you are with God or Jesus, if you believe or not, but think about if there was a God that exists. Think about what you know, if, especially if you grew up in church, maybe you walked away, what you think about and know about God. Does God care, or the Christian God, does God care if there's love in your marriage? Oh, yeah. In fact, that's where, when I start uh, premarital counseling with someone, that's the first step. Listen, you may be legally connected together, but I'm going to be honest, the only thing the government cares about when it comes to your marriage is that you pay your taxes and how much you pay. God, on the other hand, he cares a lot about if there's love in that relationship. He cares a lot about if there's love in that relationship. 
I don't have a lot of time to go through this, but one of the things that you could do if you're struggling with this idea is you could go and read the, the, the book of John. And John was written by John. And John will help you to understand who God is in relation to you and what God really cares about. And then you can have the opportunity to decide, and after understanding the heart of God, if God is worth putting your hope, your work towards. Does he care about your marriage? Yeah. Does he care about your kids? As if they were his own. In fact, he calls us all children of God. Does he have purpose for you? He absolutely has purpose for you. Now, I'm not going to explain this much further because there's two people who are going to share their stories and they're going to do a lot better job of practically showing you how this plays out. So I'll leave this up to them. I just want to leave you with this. This one question. What if, what if you did not put your hope in riches, but in the one who richly provides? You did not put your hope in riches, but in the one who richly provides. As Jesus followers, we believe that everything in existence didn't just pop out one day. That there was intelligence in it. That there was something beyond natural in it. That there was something supernatural that there was a God who created even the money that we so closely hold. You need to be here next week because we're going to talk about it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to blow your mind as it did mine. Even wealth, the stuff, in some way or another, he created it. That's what we believe. So why not put your, your hope for good outcome in him who created it than in the creation for one, I don't think any of us in this room want to work in vain. You ever go to work and you're just like, gosh, I just want to work for nothing. Like, I just want nothing to come good from the work that I do. Nobody does that. Instead of expecting an economy or a company or capitalism to provide you riches and certainty, what if you put it in the one who just richly provided it all? in the beginning. I mean, imagine if there was a God, and you were on his team. You were on the same team working for the same thing. You put your hope in the same thing as God. That'd be a pretty awesome team, wouldn't it? I mean, God of the universe, it's like, hey, I'm going to come alongside you, and we're going to work together on this. Like, wow, that's pretty great. May not be Without, it may have some suffering involved, it may have some struggle and learning and growing, but I mean, how often does growth, as I look at Ellie as, at 10, 11 months old now, she struggles. There's things that are hard for her to do, but she grows when she moves through them. And you get to do that, you have the opportunity to do that with God. That's what he's offering that's what he wants to do in our lives. He wants to richly provide with us together. And then Paul continues with the verse that we read last week. Because I think if you get the hope part, if you put your hope in the one who richly provides and not the riches, it will free you up to do that part that we talked about last week. To be rich. And to be rich in what way? Not in wealth, but in good deeds. 
and, and, so, uh, and to be generous and willing to share. And this word right here is, is a financial implication that we're generous financially. That we, them, the rich people, would do, be, be good and be rich in good deeds and generosity. And so as a church, that's what we're doing. We're not doing, you can do it individually. We'd love for you to do that. But we're also going to be doing this as a church. And, and I don't have a lot of time to talk through this, um, but we're going to be rich in good deeds. And so one of the ways in which we're doing that um, are in the back table back there. Um, this morning, the men's uh, community group made, made you all sack lunches. And they're not for you, they're for you to give away. So as you drive around your communities, you drive around Iowa City, and you see someone who looks like they could use a meal sitting on the street corner, 22 degrees out, that you could just take this non-perishable, literally can sit in your car the rest of the winter, you can take this out and hand it over to someone. And you can be rich in good deeds. And then we as a church are going to be generous financially. And I challenged you last week, I challenged every single person in this room, and, and try not to laugh, but to give $74.94. Every single individual to give $74.94 because then to be rich, you're not giving it to the church, we're just the conduit. We're just going to give it away to amazing international and local organizations who are making a difference in people's lives. And you need to be here next week. If you can be here next week, be here next week um, because it looks like I'm going to be able to share a story with you or someone is actually going to share their story with you and I think from that you'll be able to clearly get an idea of how big of an impact a bunch of people who give a little bit could make in people's lives. So far, we've raised, just in last week alone, off $74.94, um, we've raised over $1,000. And guess what we're going to do with that $1,000? Give it away. Just give it to people who need it the most. Why? Because we don't put our hope that this is going to guarantee us anything in the future. But we know when we partner with God and we are being rich in good deeds and generosity, we can make a difference. And it's going to be so much fun to see the faces, to see the lives who are impacted by a group of people saying, you know what, even if I'm visiting today, you're still going to be part of it. Even if you're watching online, you're still going to be part of it. You can go online to our website, give to Be Rich, or write it on your giving envelope, $74.94. Some of you can do a whole lot more, and if that's you, I encourage you to do that. And we're just going to give it all away, 100%, every single dollar to our community, the people who could use it, who people are going to make an impact in people's lives and be rich in good deeds. And so my hope is that you will consider to migrate your hope from something that isn't so certain to something that is. And that's what we're going to watch here in just a second. Let me pray for us, and then we're going to celebrate some baptisms. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, my prayer is so simple this morning, that we would Reflect on our lives, reflect on our minds and our hearts, and ask ourselves a simple question, where do we put our hope? Where do we put our work? Where do we work towards? And Lord, as we answer that, we honestly consider if that provides the certainty, security, the health, whatever it may be, or could the one who richly provides, if we partner with him and be generous as he has been generous, we can truly make a difference in people's lives. So Lord, my prayer is that we would all be rich in good deeds 
and generosity. In your name I pray. Amen.